Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Neil Howard, here on Health Professional Radio. Thank you so much for joining us for this segment. In this segment, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Chris Fine. You know, cancer treatments are advancing and increasing survivorship, but they can also cause some very unique and serious damage to the heart. These issues can occur within the first few months of treatment or maybe even 20 years later. Well, Dr. Chris Fine is joining us as a cardiologist at National Jewish Health to discuss the growing field of cardio-oncology and how it could change the future of cancer care. Welcome to Health Professional Radio, Dr. Fine. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, Neil. Give us a brief look into your professional background, if you would, and then let's talk about cardio-oncology. Oh, absolutely. Well, I grew up in Huntington, West Virginia, and I stayed there for undergrad and medical school at Marshall University. I knew I wanted to pursue internal medicine or all of adult medicine, so I, I went to a residency program in um, Portland, Oregon, at Oregon Health and Science University. I ultimately did my cardiology fellowship training at the University of Louisville in Kentucky, closer to where I grew up. And while I was there, I was fortunate enough to come in contact with the field of cardio-oncology, which had really been blossoming at the time, it was just a few years ago. And I was put in contact with some of the folks at the Center of Excellence in um, St. Louis at Washington University, just four hours down the road. So I spent a few months there early in my cardiology training, focused just on cardio-oncology, working at the Siteman Center of Excellence for their, their cancer treatment. And I knew that's exactly one, what I wanted to pursue thereafter. I mean, it's truly a multidisciplinary approach to cancer care, focusing on cardiovascular disease and the development of such, as you so eloquently put at the beginning of the segment, early identification, early intervention, but the main goal being to minimize the likelihood that the patient will need to interrupt their cancer treatment, because we know if that happens, People universally do more poorly from a cancer standpoint. So if there's anything that I can do from a cardiovascular perspective to minimize the likelihood of that, that's always what we try to do. And so I kept in contact with some mentors that ultimately relocated to Denver, Colorado. And by the time I'd finished training, they had already kind of spread the good word of cardio-oncology and then ultimately brought me here to help develop a program. So that's what we're actively doing. You say that cardio-oncology was starting to, to blossom when you were at the uh, University of Louisville. I'm assuming that cardio-oncology has to do with cancer of the heart or maybe the risk of developing heart problems because you have cancer. It's a combination of the two or one or the other? It's a combination of the two. I will say um, the term cardio-oncology, it's, it's almost a misnomer in and of itself because it does lead you to believe that it's focusing on cancer of the heart specifically. Mm -hmm. Now, that does happen, but it's an incredibly low prevalence, a very rare disease process. What it's mostly focused on is the adverse cardiovascular effects of all different cancer treatments. And those can happen in the heat of the moment while cancer treatment is being received. They could also happen years after the fact. Even if the patient has been successfully in remission for years and years, their overall cardiovascular risk compared to a normal patient population that have never had cancer and have never had cancer treatment, it's significantly increased. And that's a that's a fact that we're 
as a medical community, really starting to grow in appreciation of because we can actually do things about it now when that wasn't the case 10 or 20 years ago. Why are cancer patients at an increased risk for developing heart problems? So it has to do with the type of cancer they have and the type of treatment they receive. Now, we, we do know from epidemiologic studies that patients with cancer, regardless of type, have baseline increased cardiovascular risk. That mostly has to do with cancer being a pro-inflammatory process. We actually see and are starting to appreciate some similar aspects in heart failure populations who do not have cancer and haven't had cancer treatment. That's just one facet. Another uh, litany of things that could contribute from a cancer standpoint to increase cardiovascular risk is mostly in the form of toxicities from the treatments that they absolutely need to treat their cancer and prolong their life. So that could be in the form of direct toxicity from certain types of chemotherapy. It could also be from accelerated what's called atherosclerosis or plaque in arteries, plaque on heart valves. That can happen with radiation. So now we're seeing with more targeted therapies, more sophisticated cancer treatments that have really come to fruition over the last five to 10 years, the patient's own immune system is being remodulated to attack the cancer itself. Now we're seeing more issues with high blood pressure, pro-inflammatory processes, so that can cause plaque in arteries, atherosclerosis, so people are having heart attacks earlier in their life. You also see problems with different heart rhythms, both from the top and bottom parts of the heart, prolonged portions of heart electricity that could increase risk of sudden cardiac death, increased risk of clots in their veins as well as on the artery side of things. So it really, really starts expanding a litany of cardiovascular problems. And that's where someone with more dedicated understanding of what could potentially go wrong and ideally identify potential adverse effects early on or before they happen, that's where that can be all the more important for the cancer patient. Well, what strategies do you have in place to, I guess, monitor cancer patients while they're being treated to detect whether or not they could have heart problems? So the vast majority of surveillance strategies that we use to really impact the care of cancer patients, none of it is really reinventing the wheel. And a lot of things that we utilize that can change the trajectory of things, um, we already have readily at our disposal. So it would be something as easy as taking blood pressure, taking heart rate at every clinic appointment on top of talking to the patient with a, a history and physical exam. Those will never go away. Those will always be paramount. We always use things like an EKG to look at heart electricity and heart rhythm. Other type of things we can use is certain types of blood tests. Cancer patients are frequently getting blood tests before every single chemotherapy or immunotherapy infusion. Easy to add on just a few labs when blood is already being drawn to look for markers of heart-related stress that could change our management strategy. And then lastly, it could be certain types of heart-related imaging. So the most broad we use is something called an echocardiogram, which is just an ultrasound of the heart. That's pretty much the bread and butter of our cardiac imaging. It's cheap. It's widely available. It's easily interpreted. But then there's more sophisticated imaging as well, like an MRI and certain types of CT scans that can, that can be helpful too. And that can help guide whether or not we start medications to protect the heart during cancer treatment. 
Speak to the need for a cardio-oncologist as cancer treatments sort of evolve and survivorship improves with the uh, development of, of better treatments. Well, I think the the main thing with cardio-oncology is exactly as you brought up, and it has to do with survivorship. So the oncology community has done a fantastic job of um, putting the ball in the patient's court of advocating for themselves for early detection, surveillance strategies, things like that. And many of these cancer uh, surveillance strategies are in guidelines. You get colonoscopies, you get mammograms, et cetera. We're finding cancer early. We're intervening early. And so from a mortality standpoint, people and cancer survivors are living a lot longer than they used to 20 or 30 years ago when we were finding more advanced versions of their disease. Now we're starting to see that cancer patients, if they get beyond a certain point and they remain in remission, now they're dying of cardiovascular disease. So heart disease and cancer will are the top two killers in, in the United States as well as the world, and I don't really see that changing, unfortunately, anytime soon. So I think that these two portions of medicine and these two disease processes will remain intimately related for the indefinite future. So that's another facet of where someone with specific training in both niches to some degree could be particularly useful for for patients long term. Give us a website where we can learn more. So one of the major websites that I advocate my patients and I really empower my patients to go to is cardiosmart.org slash cancer treatment. Now, this is a website that's fully funded and organized by the American College of Cardiology. It's written by cardiovascular healthcare professionals across the country. It's the most up-to-date evidence-based medicine there is, and it's completely bias-free. So I always try to nudge patients in that direction. It's a great 30,000-foot view of what cardio-oncology is. It's very easy to navigate through. There's a lot of great links to explore it as well. There's another website that I, that I advocate for as well. It's ic-os.org. That is the International Cardio-Oncology Society, and that has a ton of great patient-centered educational resources as well. Chris, I appreciate your time this evening on Health Professional Radio. Thank you so much for this information. Thanks a lot, Neil. You take care. You as well. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Dr. Chris Fine. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, listen in, download at SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com health professional radio.